Well, hey, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to another Wednesday night stream. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. Glad to have you here tonight on our weekly live stream. We do this every Wednesday night at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And yeah. Oh, whoops. I'm showing you the wrong screen. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I was monkeying with things earlier and uh, didn't switch it back. So we got the infinity loop there. All right. <laughs> hey, welcome, everybody. Glad you're all here. Um, got some exciting news to start with, which you might be able to see right here. That, that kind of, let's see if, if I can, that kind of whitish mess there. That's another spawn from Goldie and her, her, and his mate. Goldie turned out to be a boy angel fish. For those that don't know, Goldie's this fish right here. Kind of accidentally became the channel mascot. Um, year and a half ago or more, I ordered a, I don't know, a couple hundred platinum angel fish. And they were all platinums except for Goldie. Goldie showed up in the bag. So she is a veil tail uh, gold angel fish. And she came in a bag of standard fin platinums. So she was kind of the, the odd fish out. And then I sold off all the platinums and she put on a growth spurt because the competition was gone. Turned out she was a he, so Goldie's a boy. And uh, he has made it off with this koi angel here. And this is their latest spawn. Now that spawn probably is not going to uh, make it in that aquarium because there's, as you can see, a a mob of hatchet fish. There's a whole bunch of placostomus. So at nighttime, I think those eggs are going to be toast easy. So I think after the live stream, I'm going to take a razor blade and a turkey baster and uh, suck those out, put them in an egg tumbler and see if I can't get them to, to hatch. Just because in that tank, I don't think a spawn has any kind of chance at all. And I didn't know they were going to spawn. They didn't really give me the normal cues that angelfish give me of defending the territory. At least I missed it. So I didn't put a pipe in there for them to spawn on. So that's what I'm going to have to try to do. I've had some success with that in the past. It's not ideal because you can damage the eggs if you're not real careful scraping them off. But if you get a new razor blade, uh, kind of wash it with soap and water before you use it so that there's no like oil on it or anything like that. Um, then I've had luck with that before in an egg tumbler. So that's what we're going to that's what we're going to be doing. Mile high plecos, that could be dangerous. Yeah, me and a razor blade, I, I'm clumsy. So that's definitely dangerous for sure. <laughs> Mile high, good to see you, by the way. Um, let's get up to the top of the chat here and say hi to some folks, and then we'll kick this off. Janice Lundberg and Reels Tanks. Reel is number one. And Janice, I'm so glad you made a stream. That's awesome. It's good to have you here live. Small fry, hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Um, carbon really, Hey, glad you made it. Carbon really. I love carbon really. And I have, have fun because of the, uh, the comments it's, it's like all emoji talk. So it's always like his emojis are like, always like good job. And I'm always like sunglasses with a guitar, which I hope comes across as like cool rock on, but, <laughs> but I know I've made a really good video when carbon really takes the time to actually type something. So if there's anything in Carbon Release comments besides an emoji, I'm like, 
hey, that must have been a good video because <laughs> Carbon took the time to type. Hmm. <laughs> Koi Dragon Aquatics. Hey, glad to have you back. I see you there, Dan Slee, Michael Wilson, 44 Mag Guy, David Jenkins, lots of folks. Um, is Bob Kaler recently posted down there? Just as a reminder how we do things here to keep it lively so that we don't ever get in a position where you're just watching me read chat, um, looking for stuff. If you have a question or comment for me, if you would kindly make it at Dan's Fish, so you hit the at symbol as Bob Kaler's comment demonstrates, and uh, immediately types, start typing Dan's Fish without a space between the at symbol and Dan's Fish, Hopefully you'll see Dan's fish pop up. You can select it. And that means it's going to highlight for me so I can jump right to it. Now, most of you know that drill, but for anyone new, that's how we do things. And the reason why is it just keeps us from getting in a position where we have to uh, just read and look for stuff to respond to. Because that gets boring. That's all that downtime. I don't like that. I come from the entertainment industry and my mentor... I'm really lucky. I had a mentor. He has seven Emmy Awards. He's a great guy. And one of his cardinal rules is, in fact, there's only really one rule in entertainment, which is thou shalt not bore. And I feel like it's boring when we just watching people look for comments to respond to. Um, although some people pull it off, like Pam, 54 Punchy. I love her live streams. Um, it's a lot of Pam reading and responding to comments, but she's so witty and has so many stories that she pulls it off. <laughs> Reels Tank says action. Yep. <laughs> Small fry aquatics. I'm not off script yet. Yeah. <laughs> you should have been off script first day of rehearsal, Small Fry. I have to dock your pay. Kayla's Aquatics, remember to address Dan as at Dan's Fish so he sees your comment question. Yes, abscess blood lootly. The hatchets are finally hanging near the top. A little bit, kind of. Um, I think the angels have been defending their little corner here a little bit. And so I think that's forcing the hatchets to kind of do what we expect them to do. You'll also see, I put a bunch of green beans in there so that the Uwaru like veggies a lot. So that's in there for the Uwaru to eat. And I'm hoping that they'll tempt out the, uh, the plecos as well that Mile High Plecos gave me. So I've got some, um, I think they're called Starlight Plecos. I call them Starry Night after the Van Gogh painting. <laughs> um, in there. I think they're L183s or something like that. And uh, I'm hoping they'll come out and make an appearance on the live stream. And so there's one that hangs out right down here in between the end of this kind of flower, this plant trough and this black weir here. So kind of right here where my finger is, you might see him come out. That's the biggest one. There's one that hangs out sometimes, oops, I just scared him, in this cave right here. It's a little coconut cave. And then the other one hangs out um, over here, kind of in this, where's my hand? It's all backwards, in this log. So the one I think we'll see if it comes out is that one right there. And in order for that to happen, I gotta stop pointing my finger over there because it comes out, but then as soon as I move it, it just jets right back there. So Dan Slee says the carbon rating system. Absolutely, that, that is what it is. <laughs> that's what it is 44 mag guy one cool my guppies gave birth while i was away for the month awesome for the mouth <laughs> month love autocorrect i now have 15 guppy fry and my other female is also pregnant 
ready any day now. Good luck with the angelfish fry. Well, thanks. I have some exciting news. I finally got uh, a nice batch of uh, red-eyed red hyphen cauliflower swordtail babies. So I got a decent batch and moved them out into a rearing tank. They're in there with some baby um, peacock gudgeons that I hashed out a few weeks ago. They're about the same size now. Peacock gudgeons start pretty small and everyone's getting along really well. And I'm doing that trick if I'm raising them in a tank that's basically uh, a 20 gallon scud culture. So there's food available all the time. I feed them baby brine shrimp two, three times a day. And in between feedings, they've got all the baby scuds and and infusori and all that stuff growing in that. It's a very bioactive environment. And I've just found that baby fish put on huge growth and a lot of weight really quickly in that kind of environment. So I'm hoping that that'll help those little swordtails grow right up. So got a batch of those a few days ago and then I got another batch today and I've got three more females sitting in, in delivery tanks, little five and a half gallon tanks stuffed full of plants hoping to get some babies from them as well. So um, I've been trying for babies from these guys since December, I think, and finally got a few. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. And basically what happened was um, I, I got a new batch in and several female males were obviously about to, uh, about to drop fry. So I just put them in a place where they could do that successfully. So I, I don't deserve any of the credit they came super preggers and ready to blow, but, um, but I'm excited about it. And, and I'm hoping that out of that, I can start, I don't know. I keep, I keep fighting when I'm, when my logical mind is at work, my business mind, I'm like, don't do that. It'll take up tank space that you can't sacrifice. Um, and then when my hobbyist mind takes over, it's like, yes, you've got fry, raise them up, get a colony, get it going, distribute those. So, I'll raise the ones I have for sure, but I'm not sure. It depends on if my business mind wins out, I'll sell them off. And if my hobbyist mind wins, then I'll keep them. I, it's like the angel and devil on the shoulders in my mind sometimes. But I'm really excited about that. EJ's fish is 76. The platinum half beaks are doing really well. Great. Hoping to get a spawn one day. Tons of floating plants for them. Well, hopefully you will. I They have spawned for some customers. I know one customer, I think I shared this, uh, is a teacher and got babies in the classroom from them and uh, removed the mother, I believe, so is now raising up some little platinum half beaks. They are one of the coolest fish ever. In fact, while I'm on the topic of cool fish, let me tell you um, what I'm trying to get in Monday. And I say trying, the last order I have, I did um, over 50% of it didn't show up. So this is what I'm trying to get in for this coming uh, order. The first is a, a wild type betta from Tingi. And I believe, it's hard to tell from the listings, but I believe it's gonna be something in the betta pugnax kind of complex. So a, a large, um, a little bit like betta NSA or betta falx, but probably bigger, uh, mostly tan fish, but with a bright blue throat and gill covers and chin and um, uh, you know some color on the anal fin and the caudal fin. So looking for those, trying to get in some Aplicylus werneri. They've been shorted the last few times I got them. So trying to get those in. Some Celebes rainbows, just cause I haven't had them in a long time and I like them. Um, some flag cichlids, uh, 
some keyhole cichlids, a species of Stiphodon goby, which I'm not sure what it's going to be until it shows up. I think it's Ornatus, but I'm not going to be sure. Um, trying to get some peppermint pike gouramis again. I've been trying for months. We'll see if they show up. Black ruby barbs because I like them. Odessa barbs because I like them. Some more Burmese clouded archer fish. Hopefully some rainbow shiners. Some orange hatchets. Uh, Danios, the orange hatchet Danio. Some leopard tenopomas. Uh, Geophagus surinamensis. Not a super rare geophagus or anything, but a really pretty one. Um, and I'm able to get them at a, at a decent price. So I'm going to go ahead and try for them. Some bandit cichlids, which I'm forgetting the scientific name off the top of my head right now. And some African butterfly cichlids, because those are one of my favorites. And I haven't had them in about forever. So that's what's on the list. We'll see what actually comes in. I'm looking at the other one of the other uh, suppliers as well. I've got my eyes peeled for um, samurai gouramis and South American puffers. I'm, I'm trying to get them. As soon as I find them, I'll, I'll put in another order with them. But that's, that's kind of where we're at. Um, also, for those that want them, I, I finally am letting go the female threadfin uh, rainbow fish. They're, they're looking good. The whole batch pretty much is recovered and good to go. And so I'm, I'm finally comfortable to sell those after three months, I think, because they came in so skinny. But they're fat and happy now and laying eggs and ready to go. So if you I haven't listed them on the website because there's some people that have been looking for them and waiting for them for a long time. So I want those folks to have a chance first. So so Dolly Vigil or I, I think Terry's Tropical Tanks was interested. Any of you folks that have been interested in those send me an email, dan at dansfish.com. And uh, let me know how many you want. I'll make sure you guys get them first since you've been waiting so long. And then I'll post the rest on getgills.com to sell them. All right, so that's what's what's going on. Bob Kaler, uh, see Bearded Bob's Fish Room, comment above. I'll do that, Bearded Bob's Fish Room. How is your Santa Maria Endler colony doing, Dan? It's fantastic, it's great. So they're producing pretty much 100% Santa Maria's. Um, And what I'm working on is perfecting the line. Let me show you this. There's there's something in the Santa Maria line that I'm trying to clean up a bit. Um, So let me show you what that is. So here's your typical Santa Maria Endler. Um, Hopefully that, well, it's, it's bright orange belly with a, uh, hang on, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I don't have the right, hang on, this is what I want. No, hang on, messing with, there we go, there we go. That's what I want right there. Okay, so it's got the black back and the orange belly, but if you look at the caudal fin, this is what I'm trying to clean up. If you look at this, where we're backwards. The, okay, it's not going to do. Look at my cursor. This caudal fin. You see how it doesn't extend all the way to the edge and it's not really extended looking? And then down here, it's just got a little blip of orange. That's fairly normal for the Santa Maria line. You'll see it again here. It's got a little orange. But what I'm trying to perfect, 
so they're all coming out 100% looking like, like those. What I'm trying to do is every now and then I'll get one that comes out looking, um, see if I can even find, they're, they're not common, but I'm selecting for it. Kind of like this, and this is not even a great example, but where the orange extends all the way to the edge of the caudal on both the upper and lower. Here there's a little fault, um, and here there's a little fault at the end. But this is kind of showing you what I'm, I'm working towards. So I'm working towards on getting that caudal to where it has a full um, upper and lower sword that's bright orange without any white breaks or anything in there. So I've got 100% a great Santa Maria line, and now I'm trying to improve it by doing that. If you buy them from me, you're probably going to get one that doesn't have those perfect uh, orange swords on the top, uh, double sword on the caudal fin. It's, uh, it's rare to get that. So I'm holding back almost all the males that, that come with that so that I can fold those in and, and try to select for that. But the jeans are in there and, you know, they're, they're still standard Santa Maria's. I'm just trying to take that and, and make it what I think is one step better by improving the orange on the, um, on the caudal fin. So Bearded Bob, that's where it's at. But yeah, they're, they're pretty much 100% spitting out Santa Maria's. I, I very rarely am having to call any that come out. Um, Every now and then I'll get a female that still has some color in her from the from the guppy traits that I'm taking out. So I remove I remove those from the stock and every now and then I'll get a male that just doesn't have um, doesn't have enough. The balance of orange and black isn't quite right and I'll take him out. But besides that, we're there. We're there. In fact, I think there's some available at uh, dancefish.com um, if you want to get some. Aquatic glad to hear you're no longer buried under a snowbank. Me too. It could still, we could still get a storm or two, but they'll be really light and they probably won't last long. It's warmed up. The flowers are flowering. The trees are, are leaving out. Everything's green. It looks like Ireland right now here. It's beautiful. Um, there are some people on the south end of town where it's kind of low down by the river that are getting some actually really bad flooding right now, though, because we've had a couple warm days and the snow melts. And plus, we had a big rainstorm for like three days straight. And uh, we had some some record rainfall. And those poor folks are, are hating it. But I'm not I'm not in that condition. So I'm having a great time. Blackwater, any chance of getting um, Cyprochromis leptosoma? So I am not the best when it comes to African cichlids. I, I do know the sips. Uh, let me just show folks what we're talking about. I probably won't be getting any just because these are Lake Tanganyikan. They want really hard, really alkaline water. And although I, I could, I, I'm sure one day I'll get some once I uh, get a little more dedicated about, oh, I did that whole thing without switching back. Oh, well, without, uh, until I get more dedicated and can harden my water a little bit, I probably won't be getting them just because they really do thrive at high pH and high carbonate hardness. And my water here is naturally soft um, and not very alkaline. So 
one day black water, I might do that. That being said, um, there were some sips at one time on getgills.com. So another seller at getgills.com might have some. Uh, you could check there. But me, myself, no, not in the near future. It would be a long time before I did that. Um, every week when I look at the lists, there's tons of African Rift Lake cichlids that I would love to get. Um, I used to work at a place that that's what they specialized in. It was a massive operation uh, doing African cichlids, mostly in Malawi, but some Tanganyikans and some Victorians. And uh, I love to do it, but I just, I don't feel like it'd be fair to them to put them in my water uh, that I have right now. Chewy LTD, have you seen the strain of albino halfbeaks that the oriental fish farms are breeding? Um, I haven't seen, I've seen wilds, I've seen platinums. Actually, I think I have seen albino halfbeaks, but they were a larger species than the one that I have. And that was a long time ago. I feel like if we're talking about the same fish, I feel like that fish was around even back in the, in the 90s, like the mid 90s. Um, kind of a white fish with, with red on the anal fin, if I remember right. And maybe a little bit of red on the caudal fin too. Um, but I haven't seen them forever, Chewy. And I don't know much about them other than they're your, your typical kind of more brackish water half beak that gets a little bigger than the ones I have. The ones I have are a platinum version of like the wrestling half beak. So they stay really small and they can take full fresh without any problem. Jeff Chambers. Are those Black Tiger Dario usually available? I know you have some now, but I won't have a tank set up for a while. Um, so Jeff, yes and no. They are almost always on the list, but just because they're on the list doesn't mean that they'll show up if I order them. There's lots of fish that are on the list all the time. In fact, some fish I've been working on trying to get for months and they still haven't showed up. So it really depends. That being said, usually when I get them on the list, I usually have to order 400 at a time. That's the minimum order. And I don't want to do that. I don't want 400 fish that retail for 10, 12 bucks um, because I'll sell a few of, I'll sell maybe a hundred of them or so, and then I'll have 300 that sit for a year is probably what would happen if I did that. So just my customer base isn't that big yet. It's growing, um, but it's not that big yet. So I finally did find a supplier that had some in a quantity that made sense. I think I got 50 or 100 of them. I'd have to check. But that's the first time I've ever seen them listed in a quantity less than 400. And just because they're listed doesn't mean they'll show up. So I think they're fairly hard to find. I don't usually see them out and about and available on internet land or in fish stores or anything like that. So I'm not, I'm not sure when I'll be able to get them again, to tell you the truth. I really don't know. Michael Wilson, any updates on the Aplicylus Panchax group? Yes, I need to, I need to list them. They're ready to go. Um, I, they're, they came in really skinny and it's just taken a little while to fatten them up, but they're there now. They're fat and they're the orange strain. Let me see if I can find a representative picture. But Michael, I, I just need to list them. And I won't be able to do it tomorrow, but I might be able to do it. Uh, I'm hoping for Friday. I am hoping to. Um, here's a great picture of one, and this is representative. So there's different kinds of pan checks, um, color 
variations, different populations have different color variations. So as you can see here, this is one that has kind of a whitish. It's, it's going to be a pretty fish. That white under the light is really iridescent. Um, this one here, you can kind of see a little orange, a little whitish here. Some of them have, they call it a blue panchax. But I held out until I found these available. This is an orange form, and this is the one I like. This one, I don't know if it's been touched up or anything. It looks more red than orange. The ones I have are orange, not quite red like this, but it does go all the way around in a solid line on the caudal fin. And there's a lot of it on the anal fin and the dorsal fin as well. Um, here's a decent, yeah, it's kind of this color orange, but this fish here is stressed out. I can tell because this uh, black margin on the caudal fin and the deep black that goes here is not present. It's all faded out. So this is a, a stressed out fish that was probably put in a photo uh, tank for this picture, but the orange here is about the right brightness. It's just a thicker band of it against the black is, is what they look like. So they're ready, Michael. I just have to get off my duff and do it. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be out with a realtor all day looking at uh, commercial properties and trying to figure out exactly if I can uh, make the new warehouse happen. Um, I'm trying to, trying to expand here. So tomorrow I can't do it. So Friday, I'm going to try to do that um, along with some of the other new fish that came in and are ready to go. Pearl Garamis and uh, in some others. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. And I'm also going to try to get a video on the Black Tiger Dario out there because I've got some people that have been requesting it and I promised it for them. Um, and I just haven't got to do it yet. So that's my goal for Friday. Because of what I could... Aquatics, good to know the standard dance fish helps to know what to call for. Yeah, for the Santa Marie Endlers, absolutely. Um, and by the way, those pictures I showed you are the standard. Um, I think basically Santa Marie Endlers, they bred for the black top in the in the orange belly. There's there's some other things too, but um, the the full double sword it of orange on the caudal isn't necessarily standard. It's just what I want to do. It's what excites me about that fish. So I'm going to, uh, to breed for it. Bob Kaler's, <laughs> thank you, Bob. Kaler's Aquatics throwing down $25 super chat. As always, Bob, thank you. Greatly appreciated. Never required, but makes the wife super happy. Um, for the fish warehouse. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, I've got, once I kind of know exactly what the properties of cost and things, I can get down to figuring out uh, exactly what it'll cost to build the sucker out and, and get some fund funding strategies together. Um, but for now, just trying to figure out what it'll cost and if it's doable. But thanks, 25 bucks helps a ton. I appreciate it. Chewy LTD, Dance Fish. You may want to read information upon swordtail guppies in regards to swordtail traits in that strain of Edler, Endler, I guess. Uh, Alan Bias might give you some info. Cool. Might be nice to look at. Um, I also like Marty's page quite a lot for Endlers. If you Google Endler and Marty, it'll, it'll pop up. It's a great website. Put together by a guy, a guy named Marty. Tristan Schuster. Hey, Tristan, good to see you. When breeding fish and you find one that you want out of the batch because of imperfections, 
What do you end up doing with them? Oh, when breeding fishing, you find one that you want out of the batch. Um, well, if you look at any of my fish room tour videos, I'll often have uh, fish that are uh, not perfect in some of the tanks. And that's because generally what I do with those fish is I just take them out and I let them live their life. So for oh, about a year or so, I kept a, a crook-spined uh, Wapoga red laser uh, rainbow fish, um, Melanotania rubra vitata. I, I, out of, I had a big batch of eggs and one of them developed a crook spine. I'm not sure why. It might have been a nutrition thing. Um, it also might be because she never developed a swim bladder. And so that might have been connected, whatever the issue was. So, But I just kept her and let her live her life. And she lived for a good year or so uh, before she finally just just couldn't hack it anymore. Whatever was wrong with her, finally she passed away. Um, I do the same with, with my fish. I just put them in a tank where they're not going to reproduce so that I don't have, you know, I'm not continuing bad genes. And personally, I just, I just take care of them until they, they pass away. In fact, at one point I thought of turning this 125 into the, uh, the misfit Island tank where any fish that weren't good, good, weren't, any fish that needed to be cold would just go in there and live their life. But then, then I thought that might make a bad display tank. <laughs> might give people the wrong impression if they just saw that and didn't know me and what I was doing with that tank. <laughs> might just think all my fish were deformed. So, um, but that's what I do. If I, so far I haven't done this, but I also don't have any problem with keeping a large predator fish and using coals to feed it. I just think that's, you know, fairly natural. The best food for fish is fish, is an old saying. Um, but I haven't done that just because I don't, I'd, I'd lose an entire tank that I could be using for uh, breeding or resale or something. So I haven't done that just because this, even though this is a good sized fish room, it's a very small business, if that makes sense. So I kind of have to utilize every inch of space I have just to stay afloat at this point. So. But one day, if I have the room, I'd probably get a, a big, a big pet fish. I don't know if it'd be a flower horn or, or what, uh, kind of like Michael's fish room has, and just uh, give him the coals. Let's see here. That was Tristan. And Tristan, by the way, hi. I hope everything's going well. Good to see you again. Forty-four Mad Guy One. I have a fifty-five gallon tank. What would be big enough? Would that be big enough for two angelfish? Yeah, it should be for sure. Um, now, angelfish are all individuals and every now and then you'll get one that's just an aggressive jerk, but it's pretty few and far between that one would be so aggressive that in a tank that size, you couldn't fit two. That's a four foot tank. Um, so I think you'd be just fine. Yes. Now, do be aware, though, if you get a male and female and they pair off, then if they go into spawning mode, they might get aggressive while they're defending their territory and laying their eggs. Um, that being said, usually, usually angelfish are fine, especially in a 55 with just a couple of them. I have I do know people, though, that have an angelfish that they've had to return because it's just a jerk. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time, but occasionally it happens. 
So I would say the odds are that that would be good. And if it was me, I would definitely try that. I wouldn't have any problem putting a couple angel fish in a 55 gallon. Um, if anyone here has any other thoughts about that and is like, oh man, I tried that and it went south or, hey, I'm doing that right now. It's working great. Then if you could chime in and let Mag Guy know, that would be awesome. Petsotics, good to see you. Um, let's see here. Cornelius Worthington. It didn't highlight for me, but I still see it. So I'm going to go ahead and reply. Sorry, I spelled it wrong. Pseudomilgo limonatus. Got any of these to sell? Um, yes, I do. So let me show you right here. If you go to getgills.com and you click on the rainbow fish, I know they're blue eyes technically, but they're right here, uh, Pseudomilgo Illuminatus, and I've got 35 listed for sale right now. I'm sorry I don't have a picture, but they are super difficult to um, photograph. They are zippy little suckers. They move really quick. They're eight bucks each, which I think is a darn good price, especially when you consider that I've had them for, oh, a month or more, I think at this point, and I fed them really good. They're fat and happy. They're not shaky, fresh imports. Um, I, I think you're going to do well with them. I've sold quite a few of them over the last week or so, and uh, everyone's that's got them so far, they seem to be doing fine for them. That's a fish that can be really shaky when it's first imported because it's broad and often really small and they get real skinny. And so it just takes some TLC. So, yep, I've got them and they look good and they're fat and happy and hearty. In fact, I love the tank they're in. It's Pseudomilgil limonatus, or what we used to call CF Pasci, um, at the top. And then it's got uh, chili rasboras. I finally got a good batch and they're fat and happy and I just listed them for sale. Um, took an extra week, but they're finally you know, bulky enough that I'm good selling them. Those are in the middle. And then on the bottom are the rosy loaches. And that tank is a ton of fun. Everyone gets along. There's activity all the time. Rosy loaches are great because they don't just stay at the bottom. They're a bottom fish, but they'll, they'll swim mid water. They'll go up to the top. They'll explore all around. They're, they're really fun. So that's one of my favorite tanks right now is the one that the Luminatus are in. Um, for those that just joined us, 53 watching, hey, that's good for this little channel. Welcome, everybody. If you're new or have forgotten, if you have a question or comment for me, uh, then uh, if you make it at Dan's Fish, so type the at symbol, start typing Dan's Fish, you'll see my Dan's Fish name pop up, click on it, and that means it's going to highlight for me. So Cornelius Worthington, it's just chance that I saw um, your comment because it hadn't highlighted. But if you make it so it highlights, then I'll, I'll, I'll see it. My eye will be drawn to it and I'll get right to it. So if I'm ignoring you, that's not on purpose. It just means I'm not seeing it. So if you'd make your comment highlight, repost it so it highlights, I'll get to it, I, I promise. And if not, if you've tried a couple times and I'm still not getting to it, um, if you would draw one of the mods attention to it, uh, Kaylee's Aquatics is our mod tonight. Um, anyone, any other mods in here? I think it's just... I think Bob's on his own tonight so far. Um, if you let them know, they'll call my attention to it. Um, highlighting doesn't always work on every device. So just a quick reminder of how we do that. And <laughs> I love it. I took a few seconds to, to remind everyone about that. And we dropped down to 48 because that was boring. So sorry about that. But that's the best way to keep the channel going and keep it from getting boring, I think. And yeah, it's working pretty well. Let's see here. Where are we? 
Okay, see another highlighted one. Aquatacy. Hey, good to see you, Aquatacy. What is the temperament of those orange panchaks? Um, I would say that their temperament is just about the same as a golden wonder killifish, if you're familiar with that one. That's a killifish most people know. Uh, that's Aplochylus lineatus, very closely related fish. So they don't get quite as big and bulky as a golden wonder killifish, but they have the same kind of temperament. So they will do fine with almost all fish if they aren't small enough to tempt them into uh, trying to eat them. If you keep them with guppies, they're probably gonna try to snack on the guppies. If you keep them with small little fish, they are a predator and they have that instinct. But if it's a big enough fish that it's like, they're obviously not gonna be able to, to chew on it, get it down their throat. And I say obviously because sometimes they go for stuff that's just a little too big and they think they can eat, but they, they just can't. can't. Um, Bigger stuff is fine. So I have mine in right now with a group of swordtails. No nipped fins, no nothing. They do great. Um, I keep them in with any of the tetras that are deep bodied and aren't little tiny juveniles, you know, stuff like that. So not aggressive unless they're tempted to eat it. Now, um, they're, they're a little persnickety with each other. So you want to have some cover, but they aren't like cichlids or anything. They're, they're just... Uh, if you only had like two males in a tank, it could be a problem because they hone in on each other all the time. Um, if you only have a pair, it could be a problem because males can drive the females to spawn all the time. That happens with killifish, lots of killifish a lot of the time. So plenty of cover in the tank is recommended and they're really good jumpers. So I would not keep them in a tank that didn't have a lid. But as far as temperament like aggression, if they can't eat it, they're probably going to ignore it or if they don't think they can eat it, they're probably gonna ignore it. Um, loveliest lady, I just, the, the username drew my attention. <laughs> when did my wife join the stream? Um, hey guys, just joined in on the live stream. Is there an endler that can be housed in a small pond with goldfish? I mean, kind of. I You could put any endler in a pond with goldfish if it was warm enough. Endlers don't like it too cold except for goldfish are probably going to try to snack on them. So if I was to do that, here's how I would do it. I'd have the pond. I'd make sure there's lots of plants and stuff in there for the endlers to hide in. Um, I put the endlers in and give them a couple weeks to settle in and get to know the area and get comfortable. And then I would put the goldfish in and I'd probably try to put fancies in there that aren't quite as quick. That way the endlers might have a chance, but goldfish can slurp up an endler no problem. Um, so that's just a, maybe it'll work type of scenario, but I wouldn't do that unless you were willing to take the risk that you could come by one morning and just have a bunch of fat goldfish and no more endlers. That's my take on it. If anyone's tried that though, and had success, let us know. Cause I'm just going off what I think. I've never tried that. Uh, the, uh, what was that username? Loveliest lady. It's funny. That's what I call my wife sometimes. TMI, TMI. Mac of Doomenhall. Didn't get that quite right. Mac of Doomenhall, maybe. Speaking of predator, predator fish, how do you pronounce? See, you'll never know. I can't say it now. <laughs> I call them Bashirs or... 
bikers or bitchers, <laughs> if I'm having fun. Um, usually I call them Bashirs, but honestly, I don't, I call them Bashirs and bikers usually. And usually it's in response to how the person I'm talking to says it. So however they say it, I tend to repeat that back to them because I'm sure there's a correct way to say it, but no one knows what it is. <laughs> so I say Bashirs or bikers and it's interchangeable, honestly. Yep. Or if it's Friday night and I'm in a playful mood, I call them bitchers. <laughs> Cheshire Cat, I feel like there's something wrong with my red female betta scales and coloring. They just look off and unhealthy, but I can't tell if I'm being paranoid or not. Ever experienced this? Yeah, that can happen with any fish. Um, if, if they're starting to get, sometimes they'll get a, a haze over them uh, that could be and I'm not trying to scare you or anything. I'm not seeing the fish, but sometimes just they used to be bright and shiny and now they look kind of dull. And that can be the beginnings of a bacterial or some other kind of infection kind of coating the body thinly um, and, and hazing out that kind of luscious, you know, glowing health of the scales. So I don't know if that's what it is, but the first thing to fish health is just them looking a little off sometimes. Fish are very asymptomatic, so they try not to show that they're sick until they're actually so sick that they can't help it, like their body starts shutting down or reacting in ways they can't control. Because in the wild, if you're a little fishy and you look sick, you're gonna get eaten. You're, the predator is gonna take you out right away. So fish are asymptomatic. They try not to show you their illness. So often the first sign that something's wrong with the fish is just something looks a little off. It's like, this is not how this fish usually is. So Cheshire Cat, if that's a new beta and, or beta, and you're not um, familiar with it, then, then maybe nothing's wrong. If you know that beta though, and you know that this isn't how it usually is, then I would start, I would test parameters, see if something's off. I'd look at the temperature, see if it got too cold. Um, and if so, jack that temperature up to the mid eighties or so. And that's where I would start. So if you're like, hey, this bed is just looking off, then check some parameters, uh, check the temperature. That's the first thing I would check. And then if those things aren't the issue, I would start looking at their food. Is their food fresh? Um, is it old and lacking nutrition? Are you feeding a, diff a whole variety of foods so that they're more likely to get the right balance of vitamins and minerals and all that? Um, I start looking into things. But yeah, that's whenever I see stuff like that, just like something's off here. Um, I start checking things and, and monitoring what's going on because the fish won't tell you it's sick until it's very ill usually. Aquatacy, do you have any experience with dwarf chain loaches? What do you think of them in a community setting? Um, yes, I like that fish a lot. If that pseudomook, uh, it starts with an S. <laughs> Hang on, let me make sure I'm... <laughs> I'm talking about the same species. I can never say it. Sid the monkey? <laughs> I used to know how to say that when I lived close to other fish people and heard the name frequently. But these guys, um, so they're not a fish I've ever kept in my personal collection. 
but I know lots of people that have, and I've worked at places where they were kept and sold in community aquariums, and they seem to be super peaceful, hardy little fish, um, really good option, I think. I think a better option than a lot of loaches and botiad type loaches, especially because they're peaceful and they don't get too big. So I think they're absolutely fantastic. Um, again, though, I, I've never kept them in my own personal collection. It's not because I don't like them. It's just because I've never found them, I guess, at a price where I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a batch of those. But I, I think if you're looking for a great, peaceful, botiad type loach, that is a great one to go with. And the other one, which is a little more affordable, is the zebra loach. Both of those don't get too big and they're not aggressive like a lot of your more botiad type body shape loaches can be. So that's my thoughts, Aquatacy. Otter Creek Aquatics, good to see you, Otter. I don't know if you've seen my message or not, but all the koi angels have their breeding tubes out already. That's awesome. Um, no, I, I, I caught up on all my emails today, Otter, and I did not see that. So I wonder if there's something, I wonder if it didn't go through or something, but I'm, I'm caught up on my emails and I'm caught up, as far as I know, on my YouTube comments. I'm sorry I missed that, but that's awesome news. So uh, you should have some breeding going on soon. Have you seen any sparring? Any like the back and forth with the ventral fins just totally stuck out straight and, and all that. If you're seeing that along with those breeding tubes out, then get some slate in there or get some uh, links of PVC pipe in there so they can start, start laying their eggs because uh, you're probably pretty darn close. But I'm glad to hear that they settled right in and uh, are already that far along. That's awesome, Kendall. That's great. <laughs> I, I love those guys. They're they're really pretty fish. I like that strain. Back 40 Aqua. Hey, out of all your tanks, how many are work tanks and how many are your personal? Can you do a vid on your top five tanks someday? Peace, man, and thanks. Well, peace back at you, Back 40 Aqua. Um, they're all work tanks at this point. So the the only tank that isn't kind of pure utilitarian is the one behind me. And that's pretty much utilitarian. It's a very pragmatic tank, um, even though it's a show tank, but uh, kind of like I'm sacrificing this sword plant to plecos right now, just because for me, fish always come first. So that's my only tank that's even slightly decorated. So I don't have a favorite tank because um, I don't have like, I mean, they're very much work tanks for breeding and reselling. And so Doing like my top five tanks probably wouldn't work because they're all kind of just bare bones. But top five fish I might be able to do. That'd be a hard one. But I think I could do that. I don't think I could do it right now. I'd have to put some thought into it. But um, yeah, I could do top five fish maybe. I, I kind of haven't done that because every time I see like a top five or top 10 or whatever video, um, sometimes they're fun, but I feel like that's almost clickbait <laughs> saying that. <laughs> Top five. I don't know. It's like a sales gimmick almost to me. And there's so many cool things out there. How could you possibly like narrow it down to the top anything? It'd have to be like the top 2000, but I might do something like that. Um, or just highlight some fish that I think are super cool. That's not a bad idea. Thanks for the comment, Back40. Chewy LTD, wondering if you would know if the Congo Tetras would bother an African butterfly fish. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, I think they could. Here's what I'm thinking, um, Chewy, is if you have a big group of Congo Tetras, then they'll pretty much just stay to themselves and not be nippy or anything like that. But if you have a big group of them, they're probably going to disturb the uh, butterfly fish at feeding time. Butterfly fish, they're very sedate. Their, their whole strategy is I'm going to sit here no one's going to notice me. And when a, a bug hits the surface of the water by my mouth, I'll suddenly spring into action and eat it. So they're really slow feeders. And I'm sure there's a way to do it. If you had a big enough tank, you could feed the uh, Congo Tetras over here and then sneak food over to the butterfly fish over here. Um, something like that. But I'll say this. I think to keep them together, it would take some work and some strategy. They're just such slow feeders that I would worry about that. I think the ideal with an African butterfly fish would be um, some sort of bottom-dwelling kind of more sedate fish. Something like a pelvic acromus species or African butterfly cichlid would do well. You know, things like that. That's my thoughts, Chewy. I've never tried it. But just knowing both those fish, that's my first gut instinct. If anyone here is keeping tetras with butterfly fish and is like, nah, it works great, um, let us know. But Chewy, that's my thoughts. Bob Kaler posting the t-shirt link. Thanks, Bob. Loveliest lady, smiles all around. Cool. Hadley Janix, do you know how I can get hillstream loaches to breed and what temperature is best? Um, first, kind of. They have different strategies. Typically what they'll do, and I say typically because there's many different variations, but um, is you have the current unidirectional, right? And then you have kind of, not boulders, but large rocks and then gravel around them. And what the hillstream loaches will often do is they'll go on those rocks, they'll back down, They'll use, the, they'll use their tail to kind of uh, make a little, I guess, pit almost in the gravel. And then they'll spawn back there and then the eggs are, are, are you know, taken down, down in the current, more or less, is my understanding. So here's what I would recommend you do if you want to breed them. Um, the first thing is go here. This is loaches.com. And there are several articles on here that I've seen on Hillstream loaches. And I think even on, on breeding, not this particular species, but some of the, excuse me, the gastromyzon or pseudogastromyzon had been bred and they've written articles about them here. And the other place that I would send you, if it's still up, is Brian's Tropicals. Um, let's see if this is still a thing. Brian's botanicals, Brian's tropicals, dart frogs. He, he breeds dart frogs as well. Um, I don't know if it's still up. Shoot. If you can find Brian's tropicals, um, it's a guy that bred dart frogs, but he also bred, um, Sevillia lineolata, which is the hillstream loach that most people have. And um, he recorded how he did it. And I don't remember all the details. I remember he had them on a Hamburg Mountain filter 
uh, pretty much a fairly sandy bottom and he did not use high flow, which is different, but uh, that's how he bred them and they would just grow up in there with the parents. I've never bred hillstream loaches or I've, I've never raised hillstream loaches, um, but those are the two sources I would suggest. If someone else knows like, hey, I've bred hillstream loaches all day long, could you chime in and uh, let Hadley know and maybe set up a, a side chat or something where you can help her out? That's a fish that is not commonly bred and raised in any kind of numbers in captivity. Um, I believe those are pretty much all wild caught. 54 Punchy, hey! The artist, the artiste has joined us. Hello from the North Pole. I'm on a phone at work, so if I disappear, it'll be one of those pesky customers. All right, hey, glad to have you, Pam. And uh, yeah, I'm catching up on your live streams. I got the latest one about the snow. Uh, ours is melted, now we're flooding. <laughs> so out of the pan into the fire. <laughs> um, and I need to get a hold of you about the camping trip in September because I would love to, to be part of that. I think that'll work out. Marcia Mora, hey everybody. What are your thoughts about breeding all those new strains, mainly guppies, for solely purposes of beauty and novelty when those fish have a hard time just trying to be alive? So, um, Marcio, my personal take, and this is not a fundamentalist tank, I think that everyone needs to make their own decisions in regard to things like this, um, different mutations and strains and things. But for me, it's kind of my same thing with, with bettas um, and goldfish and anything else. So I feel like for me personally, I have no problem with it and I'll keep all those fish until it gets to the point where I feel like it's infecting the fish's quality of life. So there are certain forms of bettas that like, for instance, the fins get so massive. There's so much finnage that they, I feel this is my own opinion. I'm not trying to foist this on anyone or change anyone's mind or preach, but the question was asked, so I'm going to respond. Um, I just feel like it might affect their quality of life. They have trouble swimming. And I'm not talking about like a standard, like even half moon or veil tail from back in the day or anything. I'm talking like big old rose tails and things like that, where it's just so much finnage that the fish can barely move. Um, combine that with uh, like Dumbo ear or something like that, all in one fish, that's an issue. Dumbo ears in a placat, I don't feel are an issue because that a placat has Dumbo ears and does just fine. And, and I've kept many of those and they've been great. But you combine like a rose tail or massive finnage of some kind with Dumbo ears and stuff like that. And suddenly it's like, man, this bed, it can hardly move. Um, I feel the same with guppies. I have nothing against Dumbo ear guppies but I've never kept them either. So um, I don't know if I think that that mutation would affect that fish's quality of life or not, because I've never experienced it. And I, I've never even like really spent any time in anyone's fish room that had them, because I live in BFE Wyoming and they're just, that's where I draw the line in general. If I feel like, okay, this fish is just not having a good quality of life, um, then it's probably not the type of fish I'll ever buy or keep. I'm not going to tell others they can't, but it's it's not for me. I feel the same with dogs too. There's certain, I've worked in an animal hospital. That's how I paid my way for college. And there's certain breeds of dogs that, man, those things are messed up. And I'm not going to name names because someone here probably owns one and I don't want to offend anyone, but um, it's just the same. 
for me. It's a quality of life issue. Um, but I feel like that's an opinion that everyone has to kind of come to for themselves. And for some people, um, they might feel quality of life is one thing where someone else thinks it's something else. So that's my uh, very uh, Switzerland answer to that question. But my own personal decision, it's always if I feel like it's detrimental to their quality of life, I personally just don't keep it. Unless it's like a, a deformed fish that just popped out of a spawn randomly and it wasn't bred for that, it just appeared, then, then I'll keep that fish because it wasn't its fault that it came to the earth, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just keep it as happy as I can. Matt Kelly. Hey, Matt. Good to see you. Any suggestions for an Asian moderate flow river blackwater tank? Okay. I have glass catfish. Chain loaches and green razzabores so far. It's a 75 gallon. Any grommy handle high flow? Ooh, not really. I can't think of, honestly, I cannot think of a single garami that would enjoy high flow. Um, I feel like you wouldn't want to have this in there because it wouldn't do well with the other fish, but some of the more robust garamis probably would be okay if the flow's not super high, like your standard blue garami or gold garami. You know, those are fairly robust, but no, garamis have specifically adapted to niches where the water's fairly stagnant. Um, some of them do live in rivers, but they live in areas of the river where the flow is very, very low, or they're up in the margins, kind of out of the flow, uh, things like that. So, no, I mean, garamis specifically, as far as I know, I can't think of a single garami that, that would enjoy high flow. I think they would struggle against it. Sorry, man. It's probably not the news you wanted, uh, but that's just my experience with garamis. Yeah. That being said, 75 gallon, you've got glass catfish, you've got chain loaches, you've got green rasboras. Um, so you've got a small kind of nano fish like community going on. Personally in tanks like that, I like high numbers. So I don't know how many green rasboras you have, but throw 75 or 50 of them in there. Get a big group going. That's that's what I like. That's what I like, Matt, is those big groups. When you have a large tank with small species, large numbers of each species, even if there's only a few in there, you'll start seeing some really cool behaviors. You'll start seeing um, each fish is so small it gets lost, but when you have a big group of them, the group acts as kind of the show fish, if you will. So that's my thoughts on that, um, on garamis and kind of how to stock a large tank with small species. But to each his own, I mean, there's a million different things you could do in a tank like that. Uh, but high flow, I personally would not put garamis in there. Chewy LTD, if you have a big aquarium with biotope, would you set up, would you set up mine Oh, okay. So he's saying if he had a big biotope aquarium, his would be Congo River with elephant noses. Oh, I love those. Mamirids are cool fish. Blind Lamprologus. Don't know that fish. Congo Tetras. Yours? Yeah, for for me, um, big biotope aquarium. It would probably be Asian, but it would be killifish. Um, so I probably... I did I say Asian African, but it'd probably be killifish. So 
I'd probably make Blue Galeris the, the focal point of that. I'd probably have a species of Pelvic Acromis down on the bottom. They'll sift the sand and, and look beautiful down there. I like Sacramontis quite a bit, or Sacramonti, I guess is actually how you pronounce it. I'm not sure, but I like that, that crib a lot. Um, and then up on the top, I would probably have one of the larger species of lamp eye killifish, a big school of them. That's what I would do. But yeah, I, I almost ordered elephant nose today. I found them, I found them at a, a decent price and I love them a lot. I grew up with that fish. My, uh, Jim Forche, my fish godfather, had a 360 gallon with a bunch of them in there, uh, like 15 or so of them in there. And they were big and beautiful and such a neat fish. Um, but I, I haven't done it. And the reason is, is they're, they're, I just haven't tried shipping them. I grew up with them and I like them, but I don't know how they would ship. So I'm a guy that's a selfish. I, I almost, I mean, I, I sell locally um, and I'm a retail store technically here in Sheridan and have customers and things, but it's a tiny town. So the vast majority of my business is online sales. And I just don't know how well they would ship. And also it's a fish that gets pretty big. And so if I didn't sell them before they got too big to ship, then uh, that would be an issue. But man, those are cool fish. For those that don't know, elephant nose, baby whales, all those, they're a mamirid, and they're a fish that use electric signals to kind of navigate their environment, to communicate with each other and things like that. It's a really interesting group of fish for sure. Real stinks. 51 watching. Hey, that's not bad. We're still up there. Favorite is an empty tank because he sold all the fish. Oh, right. Real fish is Dan's fish's favorite tank is an empty tank because he sold all the fish and gets to refill it. That's actually true. Um, but my favorite tank was an empty tank even before I started selling fish for a living because you always, you always run out of tanks. You need more tanks all the time. It's like, oh man, those fish spawned. Shoot, I need an empty tank. So anytime I had one, it was like a, a buffer. Like I knew that if a fish spawned, I'd ask somewhere to put the batch. Or if I went to a fish meeting and saw something super cool or went to a fish store and saw something super cool that I could get them. So having an empty tank is always fantastic. But we hardly ever have them. Like I think one of the, <laughs> how many of us have been like, okay, I'm going to breed a bunch of fish and sell them. And we see all these cool fish. And before we know it, all of our tanks are full of cool fish and we have nowhere to like raise the babies and hatch the eggs and all that. <laughs> Empty tanks are gold, man. Gold. Renamar, the rock structure in the tank behind you, is it resin? Have you had any issues with resin decker in any of your tanks? Has anyone had a bad experience with resin before? Thanks. So I believe we're talking, oh, it's backwards. I believe we're talking about uh, this right here. Right? This, this, fake log. It is plastic of some kind. I suppose you could call it resin. Um, it was originally in a turtle tank that someone had a long time ago and I got it from them. Um, I've never had any problems with it or any of the other uh, here let's move this so we can see Goldie's eggs. Watch them as they take care of their eggs over there. Um, yeah, I've never had an issue, but 
the ones I got were old. They had been in other tanks for years before I got them. I, I suppose there might be an issue with a new piece if it had some kind of chemical on it or it gotten exposed to something. So washing them off real well with soap and rinsing them really well might be a good thing to do before you put them in your tank. But Rena, personally, I've not had a problem. But I've never gone and like bought new fresh pieces and put them in. So anything that was on those uh, got leached out long before I got them because they, they were used for years before I got them. Matt Hoffman, hi Dan. Any insider tips for the chocolate garamis that are headed my way? I wanna make sure they are happy, thanks. So I think the biggest tip with chocolate garamis is to not keep them with species that will outcompete them. Uh, chocolate garamis are a micro predator and what they kind of do in the wild is just gradually go along and pick it. They live in leaf litter and stuff like that and they just pick at all these tiny little organisms all day long. They move really slow, um, kind of like a sedate fish that just moves really slowly all day long browsing for stuff to eat. So when a fish is a slow feeder and has a small mouth to boot, which chocolate garamis are both, slow feeder, small mouth, then they're very easily outcompeted by other fish in the aquarium. So if you have a school of tetras in there with them, the tetras will eat all the food before they get a chance. This is the same with samurai garamis or any of the other kind of chocolate group garamis. Um, so what I would say is that just be aware that you're putting them, if you're putting them with tank mates, that those tank mates are not going to outcompete them for food and aren't so active that they're actually going to prevent those garamis from get coming out and feeding. You'll notice if they are because the garami will see a piece of food and kind of start going for it. And then the fish will swim over and it'll see the fish coming and swim away. Like it, it just doesn't want to be around other fish. So they're not mean and they don't mind other fish, but they mind other fish that are like super fast and eating all the food or like just annoying them basically. So that's tip number one. Tip number two would be Make sure you have some cover. Uh, they come from these areas that have a lot of leaf litter to hide in, lots of sunken branches, marginal tree limbs that are in the water, things like that. And so they're used to having cover. If you provide, like in a corner, there's maybe some pipes or flower pots stacked in such a way that there's some privacy back there. And then maybe there's some floating plants or a big floating mop coming down on top of that, things like that, then they'll be comfortable and they'll be out all the time. Once they settle in, give them a week or two to get comfy and then they'll be out all the time. If they don't have that cover, they'll never feel comfortable. They'll be constantly stressed and they're eventually going to develop ick or some other kind of problem. Um, so those are my main thoughts. Have plenty of cover for them and keep them with species that won't bother them or outcompete them. That being said, um, those guys are eating flake food, they're eating pellets, frozen live, and they see the food and they're right on it, but they're slow, they're slow. So that's the issue. One of my favorite garamis though, not aggressive, really unique. Um, one day I'm gonna raise a batch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have them hold some fry to term one day. 
Matt Hoffman. Hi, Dan. Any, oh, sorry. Just answer that. Bearded Bob's Fish Room. Love the name. Is there much interest in original or wild type endlers? Sure. Such as black bars, peacocks, etc. I really want to devote some tanks to them, but I'm not sure I could sell them in the future. Oh yeah. I think those are probably the most sought at, most, um, in general, most in demand endlers are those. Um, at least with groups that are kind of in the know on that. If you sell them as uh, pure wild lines, what is that? N class, K class. I can't remember which class that is, but if you sell them as that class, then there's a lot of people that want to keep endler populations pure. Personally, I think that that's, that's a uh, bonus. I think that'll help you sell more. So that's my thoughts. Uh, I know there's people that won't buy uh, my endlers because they're purists. They just want pure wild strains. In fact, <laughs> I had someone on my video where I talk about how I developed the Santa Maria line and how I crossed them with guppies at some point in their distant past and stuff. I had a comment where a guy was like, never cross your Santa Maria's with guppies ever. Keep them pure. And what that person obviously didn't know was that Santa Maria guppies were made by crossing endlers or Santa Maria endlers were made by crossing endlers to guppies. Like that's how they came to be. They're not a natural form. They're not a pure form. They are an origination from a hybrid. And so <laughs> I did, this guy didn't want to hear it. Eventually I just, this is, I think there's only been two or three comments I've ever deleted uh, from YouTube. I, I keep almost everything there, but when someone is all fundamentalist about something that is actually not correct, like the information is simply wrong and there's no reasoning with them, that's when I'm just like, okay, you're out of here. I, I can't deal with you. Like there's, there's no way to solve this problem because you aren't listening to the information <laughs> that I'm pointing you to. But yeah, how'd I get on that? But yeah, um, I think pure wild strain endlers are much in demand, Bob. Dave Jenkins, hey, good to see you. Am I out of water? Seriously? Oh no, I got a little more, hang on. I saw new fish, school of 30 red Congo Tetris at Aquarium Adventures in Columbus, Ohio. Oh man, awesome. They were in a show tank and would not sell any, but the salesperson said they would go for 90 each. I know, I know. Um, if you have the money, they're worth it. They're fantastic. There are a lot of those... Um, Congo Tetras is what we call kind of almost any African Tetra that's that general body shape these days. They're, they're figuring out all those species and all that. And um, yeah, but there's a lot of Congo Tetras or African Tetras, I should say, that are very expensive, but they're awesome. They're amazing. In fact, every week I pass on them um, because of that. I think they're awesome and I think they're worth 90 bucks each or whatever, 45 bucks each, depending on the species and, and the price point. But I don't get them. Every week I'm tempted to. There's reds, there's yellows, there's uh, two-line, there's, there's all kinds of them. But I just don't think I could move them. I think I would get them. I'd spend a lot of money to get them. I would enjoy them. And then it would be a bad business move because how many of you are honestly gonna spend 45 bucks or 90 bucks for a Tetra? right? I mean, much as we like them, it's just not something most of us are going to do. So, but yeah, they're worth it. If you can, if you can do it, they're awesome. They're amazing. 
Yeah. Oh, chat must have jumped on me. I missed a lot of stuff. Sorry, everybody. 77 watching. Well, welcome. That means that I wonder if Corey's stream ended. Um, but welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the chat jumped on me big time. I missed a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry about that. I'm getting back up to it. Um, by the way, for those that are new, uh, how we do things here is if you have a question or comment, if you type the at symbol and start typing dance fish, you'll see dance fish pop up, select it, then it'll highlight for me and I can get right to your thing. If, if I'm not answering your question or comment, I'm simply not seeing it because you're not doing that and it's not highlighting. Or you're on a device that just doesn't highlight. In which case, if you call a mod's attention to it, um, the mod will call my attention to it and I'll get to your question or comment. I had someone the last live stream or stream before that, I, I'll occasionally, every few streams, I'll watch a, a, uh, a replay so I can keep an eye on the comments and see how stuff's going. And some guy was like, well, I guess you're not hearing me, so I'm out of here and just like left. And I wanted to be like, dude, I didn't see your question or comment. I didn't mean to like ignore you. But if it's not highlighting, then I probably won't see it. Hadley Jennings, right on. Thank you for your time and support answering my question. It all helps. Lol. And I'm a guy. Lol. Oh, did I, did I assume you were a lady? <laughs> you might be a guy, but in this stream, you're a lady. No, I don't know. If I said ma'am or she or something, I'm sorry. It's, it's hard sometimes to tell. You, you're just guessing. Um, Chewy LTD. Yeah, chat totally jumped on me. We're, I'm, I, got, I missed a ton of stuff. Any strains of Dumbo ear guppies that are known are pretty active fish. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's probably fine then. If, if they're able to swim around and do everything, it's probably just fine. Killers Aquatics, like a lumpy dog at Dan's Fish. <laughs> that would be funnier if I got to that right after my spiel. It's been a little while, so most folks won't connect that. But that's funny. That is funny. Speaking of lumpy dog, hey, lumpy dog, good to have you. Marcio... Mora, I understand your position, but some of them, I'm naming English bulldogs and munchkin cats, etc. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on from that just because I don't want this to turn into like a political or moral or ethical debate. But I think everyone knows my position. I think I've made it clear. Quality of life for me. Crown tail half moon. Dance fish. Could anyone translate Thai video to English YouTube videos? I'm sure someone could. Um, I can't. I don't know if Google's got an app for that. Yeah, I do watch some of that stuff, though. Um, Dexter's World, I love that guy. I think he's in the Philippines. Um, I mean, he speaks very good English, so I can understand him just fine. But I love those. There's a guy in Brazil I watch because he goes and collects stuff. And so I get to see the natural environment the fish are coming from. And I can learn a lot just by watching a dude out collecting fish, even if I can't understand what he's saying. I can observe the habitat. I can get an idea for how much water flow is going through there, um, how stagnant the water is, how what color it is. Is there a ton of leaf litter? Is it a clear rocky bottom? Is it a sandy bottom with marginal vegetation? Like I, I get a ton of information out of those, even if I can't understand them. Cheshire Cat, I meant experience with being fish paranoid. Oh yeah, I, I mean, who here isn't fish paranoid? We all are. <laughs> They're our babies, right? But that's good info. 
She's with my platies, 82 degrees. Kay had her two months, quarantined for a month, bug bikes, some flakes, peas, and bloodworms. Cool. Hopefully she's good. But yeah, especially for me, here's when it's the worst. Um, and this actually happened a few months ago. I had uh, a, a ton of orders for chocolate gouramis. I had had them. They'd been fine. For, I think I had them for a month or so. Um, they'd been fine. I'd been selling them. No problems. Had a bunch of orders. Went and did my pre-shipping uh, inspection and I saw that they had ick or velvet, some kind of external parasite. That's when it's real bad because then not only am I worried about the health of the fish, but now I've got to go to all the customers and email them and say, I'm so sorry. Um, I was inspecting the fish and it looks like they have, you know, some kind of parasite. I don't want to sell you sick fish. Here's your money back. I'll treat them and let you know when they're good to go. But um, that doesn't happen often, but it did happen once with chocolate garamis. This was a few months ago. Um, I mean, it's ick. They, they healed up real quick. Like I caught it early, so it's it was easy to fix. But yeah, I'm always paranoid when I see a fish going down um, or that doesn't look quite right. And then it's double when I'm like, okay, now I've got to like let the customers know. That's no fun. That's that's the thing I hate the most is when I have to let a customer know, I'm sorry, the fish you ordered is ill. Oh, I hate that. I don't like having ill fish. <laughs> Stillwater Aquatics Jr., $9.99. No question or comment, just $9.99. Beautiful avatar of a Dumbo ear guppy. Hey, Stillwaters, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, never required, but always appreciated. And the super chats make my wife super happy. She lets me keep doing this if I get super chats. <laughs> That's not me begging for super chats. That's me uh, joking at my wife. Lumpy Dog is linking a Facebook group. Cool. There's Aquatics Facebook link. Right on. Dave Jenkins, I saw your new... F oh, okay, cool. I finally caught up to where the chat jumped on me. 76 watching, not bad. If you haven't done so, there's no pressure to do this, but I would invite you... To share the stream, like the stream, I got one thumbs down. That was probably my uh, my deformed fish rant. Oh, well. Um, subscribe, notification bell, all that stuff. If you're on the fence or just haven't done it quite yet, you're invited. I'd love to have you. Okay. Bearded Bob's Fish Room, thanks for the rant. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> all right. Okay, we are now at Cheshire Cat's comment. I'm trying to compare to old photos, but it's hard to tell. She just seems to lack the iridescence and color I remember her having when I got her. There's blackness on the scales, looks grungy. Well, there's also just aging, right? I mean, you've only had her two months. That seems awful quick to age like that. But when bettas age, they do kind of lose some luster. They, I mean, they're just like any other organism, right? So... I don't know. Hopefully she's okay, though. Kayler linking my store on getgills.com. If you haven't checked out getgills.com yet, you are missing out. Um, it's a great place to buy fish or sell fish. Uh, if you're a hobbyist and you have, or a fish store or whatever, and you've got stock or supplies that are related to the fish hobby to sell, you can list them there. Um, if you're looking to buy stuff, you can shop there and you can pay there and check out it all in one she bang, like amazon.com or something like that. 
Um, you don't have to email back and forth wondering how to pay and how many do you want and all that. It keeps track of inventory. It's a modern website that is uh, fairly easy to use and getting easier to use all the time as we improve it. Stillwater Aquatics, sale on Get Gills. Cool. What's your sale? Half price shipping on Black Bar Endlers. Mention live stream, add orders, welcome. Cool. Let's, let's look at that. So Get Gills. So we'll go to stores. This will show us all the different stores on Get Gills. We'll go down and look at Stillwater Aquatics store. Oh, <laughs> if I shared it with you, that would help. Here's Stillwater Aquatics. This is what we've got. Cool. And the sale is on what? These black bar endlers? Cool, right on. Seven bucks for a trio. That's pretty good. And two trios for 10 bucks. Well, I think those are pretty good prices personally. Well, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Right on. Alrighty. Hope the sale goes well for you, Stillwater. And I have to say, I mean, Get Gills is kind of booming right now. We're getting more and more sales. I mean, it's it's a gradual thing like any business that you start, but it's heading the right direction. I'm really excited about it. It is going well. So thanks everyone that lists stuff for sale there. Thanks to everyone that uh, patronizes the site and, and shops there and buys stuff or at least looks. It's great. It's going well. It's kind of a dream come true for me, honestly. So I really appreciate it. Tech Turtle and live captions. Go okay. Google does make an app called Live Translate and Live Captions. All right, there you go. That might be the, <laughs> my phone thinks I'm asking Google a question. It just lit up. <laughs> That's good information for that person that wanted a Thai video translated. Skipper's Aquariums. Hi, how you doing? No, how you doing? I feel like Joey right now. Good to see you, Skippers. Just made it to Stillwater Aquatics Junior Super Chat of $9.99 for everyone that is wondering where I'm at, how far behind I am. That's where I'm at. <laughs> um, Crown Tail Half Moon. Didn't highlight, but I see it. Do you use Seachem Safe? Yes. And mix salt directly to water or need to mix in liters of water and then add drops to dechlorinate water. So I put Seachem Safe directly in the water, but but here's the thing. My application that I'm using it for is a little different. I don't use it to dechlorinate my aquariums because I have big carbon block filters for that. I use it to prep for shipping water. Um, that being said, if I was using it in my aquariums, what I'd probably do is as I was filling the aquarium, I would probably put the Seachem safe in there in the flow of the new water going in just so it got mixed in real quick. That stuff dissolves super quickly. To be super safe, what you could do is dissolve it a little in a small amount of water and then like a cup of water or two and then just dump that into the aquarium. But that stuff's pretty safe. I don't have, personally, I don't have a problem putting Seachem safe directly into my aquariums that have fish in them. But how I typically use that stuff is when I'm prepping ship water, I'll take five gallon buckets, I'll fill them with dechlorinated water out of my carbon block system. I'll put a air stone in there or a uh, some kind of circulation, like a small power head or something. Um, I'll put in just about a quarter of a cup of rock salt. And then I'll put in, um, I don't know the measurement, it's like less than a 16th of a 
teaspoon of Seachem Safe. Um, and well, okay, so I'll put the salt in, I'll let that circulate for 12 hours or so. And then right before I'm gonna put the fish in and put the water in the bags and put the fish in the bags, then I put the Seachem Safe, I let that circulate for another five minutes or so. And then, and then I'm good to go. So that's how I use Seachem Safe, it's for shipping. It helps absorb uh, ammonia and stuff like that in the bag so that the fish don't you know, have any issues with ammonia, hopefully in the bag. Priscilla MKR, hey Priscilla, it is so good to see you. Glad you're here. Hope the fish store is doing well. Skipper's Aquariums, I'm enjoying my birthday beverage. Uh-oh, it's gonna get weird. The more birthday beverage Skipper has, the weirder it's gonna get. <laughs> Denny's Aquatics, it didn't highlight, but I see it. At Dance Fish, will you be at Aquashell in Chicago this summer? I won't, I won't. I do want to go to uh, 54 Punchy's uh, camping trip in September up in Billings because I can drive there. I don't have to fly or get a hotel or anything. So um, I plan to go up to Billings, uh, hopefully in September and hang out. But I know I would love to go to Aquashella. It's just that it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've started this new business, getgills.com. And uh, it's just not, I mean, every month we get to the end of the month and we're like, whew, we made it. We can now exist for one more month. And then we try to get through that month. But it's like any new business. It takes a, a while for it to really get up and running. You know, most small businesses take about five years before they're up and running and profitable in any kind of meaningful way to where it's not like top ramen and uh, hitchhiking, you know? <laughs> um, so that's where we're at. We're at the, uh, the, still the founding phase of the company. Um, every, every dollar that we make, we put back into the company. So we're trying to expand and do other things and that doesn't leave any extra money or even much time for uh, trips to things like Aquashella. I wish I could though. One day when getgills.com is booming and Dance Fish is doing fine, then um, I was doing fine. But when the business grows, then uh, I would love to do all that. Um, I'd love to go to Aquashella. Um, lots of different, the American Killifish Association Convention, the American Live Bearer Association Convention, the cichlid conventions, the catfish conventions, like I'll, I'll be at all that stuff. Um, but right now it's a, it's a kind of work all the time and roll everything back in that I can. Yeah. But I hope everyone that goes has a good time. And uh, I wish I could be there. I'd love to meet you all in person. It's always great when I can finally get out and meet some of you in person. I always enjoy that. Rena Mar at Dan's Fish. Dan at Stillwater Aquatics Jr. is amazing to work with. Cool. So Rena Mar endorsing Stillwater Aquatics. If anyone's on the fence about um, purchasing from Stillwater, Stillwater Aquatics has a store at getgills.com where you can get stuff. Sakana Katana, hey! Ordered some fish from you last weekend. Yep, I remember. Excited for them to arrive tomorrow. Well, me too. And I'm sorry that I couldn't get you all the fish you wanted. Um, sold out of peacock gudgeons, folks. And so far I've done almost perfect on not overselling. So, so far I, I, 
I haven't, I've get, I keep track of my inventory as closely as possible and haven't got to the point where I've sold fish and then been like, oh, I actually don't have that many. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but Porsicana Katana, uh, ordered one, wanted a pair. And I, I looked and I thought I had another one. I was like, yeah, I can totally send you a pair. And then when I went to catch them, I was like, oh, I miscounted. Like, you know how fish move, right? Yeah, so sorry about that. Matt Kelly, Dan, any interest in trying to spawn and grow empire gudgeons? Yes, heard it's quite a challenge. Yes, and I've looked into it a lot. Um, and again, once, once things are kind of grown to the point where uh, there's enough profit being made that the company's kind of rolling smoothly and folks are helping out and things like that. Um, I, I'm going to dedicate a lot more time to breeding and, and really high quality videos of that instead of what I'm doing right now, which is good information in the videos, I hope, and hopefully entertaining, but not good production quality because I need help with that. I, I don't have that skill set and or the money for that equipment. I'm rolling all the money into to other things in the business right now. But um, I, I want to do that and I want to do Empire Gudgeons. I don't know if we'll be successful. The issue with them is their fry are tiny and almost to the point of being like a saltwater fish fry. And if you know the saltwater fish community, um, most of those fish, the larvae are so small and so underdeveloped that they're a real challenge to raise. Empire Gudgeon Fry are similar. They don't need, I found out from true expert that I, I trust implicitly. This is an absolute expert in Australian fishes, um, has a PhD in the subject, lives in Australia, uh, works with lots of different Australian species, conservation, uh, captive breeding, uh, is a professor, all those things. So I trust this person when they tell me that there's a lot of empire gudgeon populations that don't have access to salt water. They're landlocked in freshwater environments. So you don't, often you'll hear that they're difficult because they have the type of fry that have to transition from fresh to salt and back again. And that's what makes a lot of the gudgeons and gobies and stuff difficult. But that doesn't appear to, ca to be the case. There are populations that are pure fresh water where the river flows to a lake where the larvae develop and then swim back up in the river instead of going to the ocean and then back up in the river. So the issue seems to be tiny little foods that those tiny little larvae can eat, not necessarily transitioning salt water and back like is the commonly held belief. I mean, this is someone who I'm, I believe, I believe him. <laughs> this guy's credentials are, are awesome. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going to try. And they're, they're so underdeveloped that they don't even, from what I understand, have functioning jaws as fry. So the food has to literally be small enough and slow enough that they can just swim through it and it ends up in their digestive system without the fish having jaws that function to kind of bite it and grasp it. That's my understanding that is the challenge with them. But the good news is they don't have to transition to salt water, which is great. Dan Slee, hey, your female's carrying eggs in your vase. All right, you're breeding stuff. What, what was it? What was it? Oh, I missed it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look back and see what that is. So, but Dan Slee, that sounds exciting. 
Found a female carrying eggs. I wonder what it is. Maybe a rice fish? Maybe a mouth breeding cichlid or something? Candy! Hey, Candy Overholes. Good to see you. Welcome aboard. Um, hope you're doing well. Hope the family's doing well. Okay, here we go. Cheshire Cat. Yeah, that's why I'm hesitant to toss some medications and such on her, move her if it's not necessary. However, I don't want other fish to get sick or her to get worse. Frustrating. Yeah, I mean, check parameters, make sure the food is fresh. Looks like temperatures are good. Um, and if all that's good and she's not obviously ill, then yeah, I would, I would just wait and keep an eye on her. Especially if she's in a community aquarium. Sakana Katana, no worries. Just please let me know when you get more gudgeons. Yeah, I will. Um, in fact, I ordered a hundred more and um, that was that shipment that got delayed for three extra days and was in the freezing cold. There was no heat pack. So I, I got them, but they didn't make the trip. So um, I will be getting more. As soon as that, there's, there's a supplier I like to get those from. Um, as soon as they have some other stuff that that I'm interested in as well, then I'll do another order from them and I'll let you know. But they're, they're, they're an awesome fish. I mean, they often will sell those to people and within a couple weeks, they're like, hey, I've got eggs. Um, they're really an easy fish to spawn in my opinion. They spawn for me like all the time. Chewy, more should be stated about get gills, what areas of the world sellers ship to, etc. just from the aspect of a foreigner that suffer from double vision. So at Get Gills, um, it's open. I think there's 53 countries that the website can support. And we are anxiously waiting for our first non-US sellers to start selling there. As soon as they do, so if you go here and browse all products, then you can search by country. Right now, the United States is the only country uh, that sellers are shipping to. So all the sellers are from the United States. But as soon as someone from Canada posts, then Canada will add to this list. Um, 53 countries are, it works in the UK, works in most of Europe, uh, works in lots of places. So if you're, basically the limitation is Stripe. If your country is supported by stripe.com, our payment processor, um, then you can sell on getgills.com without any problem. So if you're in Canada or England or um, Europe or I think Australia, um, uh, there's a ton of countries. I don't remember all of them. Um, then we would love to have you list on getgills.com. And Chewy, when that happens, you can search by country so you know whatever country you're in, what's available for you. So, yeah. And also sellers can ship to other countries. Like if I shipped to England, then England would appear on there as an option. Or if I shipped to Canada, if one of my shipping methods went to Canada and I had that item in stock that went to Canada, then Canada would show up on that list too. So if you live in a country where you can buy fish and get them and get gills, then that, that country will show up once there's stuff in there that goes to you. 44 Mad Guy 1, how many males and females do you have of the beta NSA? Just wondering. I don't know. Um, I have sold all the obviously sexed out fish. So that's a fish that's a little difficult to, for me personally, there's, there's other people that could probably glance at them and know exactly what the sex is. But for me, they're difficult to sex unless they're in breeding dress. 
And so as they go into breeding dress, I'll like take them out and separate them so I know how many males and females I have. All the ones that have come into breeding dress have been sold. The last two that I sold, I told the person, there's one there that was smaller um, that looked like it was going to be a male. It had more blue on it. it. It just looked like it was a younger fish, but was sexing out to be a male. But I didn't know for sure. So the last person that bought them, I said, I can't sex them for sure. Um, I think this one's a male. You know, if you get two females, don't hate me. And they were willing to take the risk, so I sold them. So all the rest are either females or males that just aren't in, in breeding dress or haven't developed into males yet. Most of the ones I have left are big enough that I suspect they're females. That's my guess. In fact, I'm about to change that listing now that I sold the last one that I think is possibly a male. I'm about to change that listing to uh, females and discount the price because I think I've only got females left. They're a cool fish, man. I, I mean, for anyone that has a chance to get that fish at some point in their life, they're really cool. They aren't the flashiest, like big gaudy colors, but their personality is awesome. They're out begging for food all the time. And uh, the males, once they mature, they are really beautiful. Not, not gaudy, but really beautiful with that blue and black contrasting on the anal fin and, uh, and the bright blue throat and gills and chin. I really like that fish. Um, Dan Slee. Oh, you got some Caradina shrimp. That's awesome. That's awesome, Dan. I'm glad to hear that. That's what is carrying the eggs. 44 mad guy one. Okay. I was thinking about getting a couple of things. All right. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do suspect we're down to females on those. The other one I'm having like the embellish, there's one in there left. That's an obvious male, but I'm holding him back because I'm going to breed him soon, I hope. Um, I've sold all the others that, that I, I think are males. <laughs> so the Betta and Bellis, I really can't sex at this point. There's some that are obvious females because their they're egg, their ovipositor is down, their egg tube is down. But all the rest, I can't really tell. And then the one that's really hard for me to sex right now is the Betta Bellica. Um, the females have a lot of color and nice finish, so it's hard to tell um, if they're a male or not. Kaylor's Aquatics, 25 bucks. Show support for Dan's Fish. Hey, Kaylor, you just did. Thanks for supporting Dan's Fish. I appreciate the super chat, man. Appreciate it so, so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, we have reached the bottom of the chat. We've been going for an hour and 40 minutes. Been working the mods hard, so... Um, if you have a question or comment that you want me to get to that you feel is important or want to know, like in right now, uh, post it and I'll get to it. Otherwise, we're going to start winding this down if no other questions or comments come in. Um, I feel like the stream's gone long enough and we've kind of reached our natural closing point. So we'll just give it a moment. While we're waiting, I want to thank my awesome mods. Candy, so glad you could show up. Lumpy Dog, good to see you here. And as always, Kaler. Bob Kaler, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you haven't seen Bob Kaler's channel or Lumpy Dog's channel, check it out. And of course, you have to go subscribe to Candy Overhaul's channel, the uh, girl with no content. <laughs> Biggest channel with no content ever, just because you have to. It's candy. Um, for everyone that gave a super chat, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Every little bit helps. 
And for everyone that kind of shared their knowledge and helped people out in the chat and all that, um, awesome. Thanks. That's what we're here for. I appreciate that very much. Okay, last one, Ginger Graves. Ginger, hope you're doing well. I have a poop ton of fish coming tomorrow. Yeah, you do. Did you put a heat pack in? It's going to be in the 80s here tomorrow. So here's what I did, Ginger. In the box with the Cochina and the other one (laughs) that isn't a cold water species, I did put a heat pack. So I sent you two boxes. And then in the box with the um, Balzani and, oh, what was the other one? Oh, in the Highway Cats, I did not put a heat pack. So the heat pack I put in was only for a couple days. So hopefully I, I try to time these things so that by the time it gets to a place that's warmer like you, um, I believe you're in Tennessee, then it has burned out. So if it still has any heat, it's very little. So basically I just put in small heat packs to try to get them out of Wyoming because it still hits the 30s at night here sometimes, but not so big a heat pack that it's still hot when it gets to you. So that's what I did, Ginger. Um, Hopefully that works well. And yeah, I hope that, I hope that all the fish do well. If you have any questions about any of them, uh, need any pointers about the Betta Cochina or anything like that at all, um, I'm happy to help. They're, they're doing great. And I'm looking over at their tank right now and they're, they're awesome little fish. I, I hope you do well. All right, Skipper's Aquariums is out. I feel like we're going to shut this down with that last question from Ginger. (laughs) Can't talk. Ginger Graves. Um, Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. We'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.